Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to James chapter 5, verse 16. I know we put the scripture on the screens, but I still like you to have it in your hand. Keep your, your, the Bible verse there in front of you. I'll come back to this verse in just a minute. It's one verse, part of the verse, a lot of people know. It's a, The second half of the verse is the kind of verse you could really preach on prayer. Just fervent praying, getting a hold of God. But that's not the direction I necessarily want to go today. James 5.16, the Apostle James wrote, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. There it is. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Can you say amen to the word? Are you been standing a while? Be seated. I know that many, if not most of you are aware that our family right now, the Sistar family, is going through a difficult time. And many of you have either said to me or text to me these words, I'm praying for you and your family. I've had people this morning, as I've walked around this church and talked to people, I've had several of you come up and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and your family. I want you to know those words mean a lot to me. Your expressions of kindness and concern carry great weight with our family. Really, we are comforted by it. We are encouraged by the knowledge that we are subjects of your intercessory prayer. And I've been so impressed by what I've experienced on my end and our family's experience and and by the statements you've made to me. I'm praying for you. We're praying for you that as I was meditating on today, the Lord said, well, why don't you preach on that? And so today I want us to talk about the power and the need of intercessory prayer. Now, what is intercession? When you talk about intercession, what is it? Well, it, very simply, it's, it's when one person pleads with another person on behalf of someone. When, when, when you plead with someone on behalf of someone else, lawyers make a living doing that. Mediators in business or in law do this. They represent someone for someone else. Grandparents do this. Every once in a while, the, the boys act up, and Jaron, I can see you, here it goes, and I say, don't spank him. He's so little. Give him another chance. Don't, don't do it while I'm here. Get, give him to me. Let me handle it. Now, that's when you cross the line. But I'll intercede for him. All the grandparents said amen. Okay, how many of y'all know that's what Jesus does for Don't spank him. Give him another chance. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. So that's intercession. Relative to prayer, what is intercession? Well, then we just have to change one word. It's not pleading with someone. It's pleading with God on behalf of someone else. And and I just made a, a comment, but let me go back to it. Jesus does do this for us. 
He is our intercessor. He's our great high priest who makes intercession for us with the Father. Let, let me show you Hebrews 4.25. Therefore, Jesus is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I'm so glad that I've got a, a mediator, an intercessor that's helping me and talking to God on my behalf. But not only is God the Son doing this, but God the Holy Spirit is active as well. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for you and, and, and the way I see this as a good Pentecostal is that it happens when you pray in the Spirit. When you pray what some call that prayer language. When you're praying in a heavenly language. And I know some people don't believe in that. This church does. I practice it. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even know this, but as the anointing was flowing and moving and I was standing in that little corridor, the Spirit of God came on me. And I prayed in tongues back there for I don't know how long, just God praying through me. And there is a ministry in that. Let me show you uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, which cannot be put into words is another way of saying it. Sometimes I don't have the words. Sometimes I'm finished praying and I don't know. I've exhausted everything that I can say to God and then the Spirit of the Lord will take over and God the Spirit is talking to God the Father through me, for me. And I may not understand what he's saying because it's a heavenly language. But the Bible says that it edifies me. It strengthens me. I've had it happen, and when I finished, I felt different. I was different. I had a sense that everything's going to be okay now. How I many you know there's power in the supernatural power of God? There are biblical examples. Moses interceded for Israel when they were bitten by the snakes. He interceded for Miriam when she was struck with leprosy by God. He interceded for Israel when they worshipped the golden calf. The church interceded for Peter when he was in prison. The Bible says the church prayed for him continually. I love this for Father's Day. Job 1.5 says Job prayed for his children daily. He interceded for his children Daily, dads, if we don't do anything else, we need to do that. Did you know that intercession is one of the three components of prayer? Maybe you didn't know there were three components of holistic prayer. Let me give them to you. You're taking notes. This would be one of those good things to write down. Number one, there's communion. That's you focusing on God. Praise, worship, thanksgiving, having fellowship with the Lord. Do you know when you pray, you just need to talk to God? Sometimes when I start praying, I spend a little time thanking him, and then I start telling him some things that may be happening in my life. I know he already knows it, but I just like to talk to him. I mean, I'm getting to a point. Sometimes I feel like nobody wants to hear what I have to say anyway. Any of you dads ever feel like that? So I'm glad at least Jesus will listen to me. So there's communion, there's fellowship with the Lord, but then there's a second component, there's petition. So now you move from a focus on the Lord to a focus on yourself and your needs. But after you do that, then there is intercession where the focus moves off of God and yourself to others and their needs. So if you want to pray a holistic prayer, spend time communing with God, talk about your own needs, and then move to praying for other people's needs. The Apostle James, who wrote, this verse in the text that I read, 
was tremendously familiar with the power of intercessory prayer. The 4th century historian Eusebius tells us that James had a reputation for being an intercessor. Let me read to you what Eusebius wrote about James. This is what he writes. James was in the habit of entering alone into the temple and was frequently found upon his knees begging forgiveness for the people so that his knees became hard like those of a camel. In consequence of his constantly bending them in his worship of God and asking forgiveness for the people. That's an intercessor. And I don't make this up. Consequently, James, and you can Google this, James has often been called old camel knees. That's what he was referred to. That's what his knees look. Can you imagine having that kind of a prayer life? So as we read the book of James, we got to understand, if this guy talks about prayer and intercession, he knows what he's talking about. Plus, he's moved upon by the Holy Spirit. So evidently, during that time, it appears in the first century that the churches in, 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 that at least James was familiar with were experiencing sickness. A lot of people were getting sick. So James addresses that in his letter. This brings us now to our text. And he offers two ways to be a recipient of the healing power of God, and one of them involved intercession. Now, I could, I could just skip, um, and I don't know why, but my, my, my iPad is freezing up, and it's making it fun preaching this morning. I could skip the first part and go right to intercession and shorten this sermon by five minutes and just, just keep flowing, but... I studied the whole verse, and I said, I want to preach this. So will you allow me to preach this that has nothing to do with intercession? And then I'll come back to intercession. So he said, if you are sick, then there's two ways to get your healing. The first way is confess your trespasses or faults one to another. Now, James tells the church to acknowledge out loud their trespasses to one another. Now, let me explain to you, say to you, what this is not so that nobody will disrupt the service today. This is not a directive for you to come in here on Sunday morning and stand up and say, Pastor Chris, can I say something? Oh, this week, and then you start spilling everything you've done wrong. Don't do that. Okay? Don't do that without using discretion. We don't do that. How many of you know if you have sin, there's one person you confess your sins to, you confess your sins to God? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's not saying to stand up publicly and say, this is what I've done. Okay? It's reminding of a joke that, that I don't know if I should tell right now, but I better move on. Well, I'll tell the joke. So this lady stood up, in a, and it, was, it happened to be in a black church, and the lady stood up and said, tried to do what, the wrong thing. And she said, Pastor, i got to confess. And she said, I've been drinking on Saturday night and carousing. He said, tell it all, sister, tell it all. And she said, I've been shoplifting from the local store downtown. He said, oh, tell it all, sister, tell it all. And she said, and I've been having an affair over here with Deacon Jones. He said, oh, I don't believe I'd have told that. <laughs> See what I mean? That's not what James is saying. So, so what is James saying? 
If you need to edit that in the production room. So what is James saying? James is saying that when you trespass against someone, that's when you need to confess your faults one to another. So, so Paul, if I do something that injures you or harms you, and I've offended you, okay, and I've, I've done something that's a trespass, I've gone too far, and, and now you're upset with me and God's upset with me, then, then, then I need to go to Paul and I need to say, Paul, I'm sorry, and I need to, listen, I need to acknowledge out loud what I did. We don't need to make, too many people make excuses. You remember I told you one time, sometimes we do, I'm sorry, but, your, your I'm sorry, but doesn't work. You, 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 you invalidated it once you said, but. About 12 people right now are going, I'm sorry. You can't do that. You have to say, I'm, I, Paul, I did wrong. I'm sorry. That's, that's what it's confessing your faults to people that you have. This, this matches Matthew 5, 23, 24. Jesus said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Now, can I, can I make this fit us in the 21st century? You come to high praises and you got your praise on. You ready to get your praise on. Get on that first song. I'm ready. And then the Holy Ghost says to you, before you get your praise on, I'm not happy with you. I don't want your praise. I want you to go to so-and-so, and I want you to tell them that what you did to them, and I want you to admit it, and I want you to ask him for, to forgive you, and I want you to make things right. You say, will the Lord do that? Well, that's what it says he'll do. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come back to church and get your praise on or offer your gift. So what, is, what, what are we learning here? We got, we got to deal with things. Now let me show you something from a scientific point of view. I spent a while studying this. Unconfessed sin to God and unconfessed sin to an injured party can result in physical sickness. Did you know that? There have been, there's been a tremendous amount of research done on this, particularly with people in prison, convicted criminals who have been found guilty who have done things against other people, sometimes heinous, horrible things. And they live, even though they've been found guilty and they're incarcerated, they live with self-blame. And so what research has shown is that self-blame creates high levels of stress in your body, and we know that stress can negatively impact the human immune system. So, you experience a rise in what are called cytokines. These are in your body. Cytokines, which are bodily roadsides of inflammation that a disease may be in process in your body. So, yeah, if you've got ought or somebody has ought against you and you're just letting this thing drag on and then you notice that you keep getting sick all the time, not necessarily, but it could be that that's what's causing your sickness. It doesn't cause all sickness, but it could be causing your sickness. So James says, this matches up with science. By the way, the Bible doesn't have to match up with science. Science just matches up with the Bible. Did you get that? 
We get in trouble when we're trying to make the Bible fit science. No, the Bible's true. We just got to get science always. If you let it, in time, it'll fit the Bible. Confessing your sin and asking for forgiveness will release that stress, lower the cytokines, and then watch this, result in healing in your, in your life. I'm going to say life. There will be physical bodily healing. There'll be relational healing because you went to the person and said, I'm wrong, and then you made things right with them, right? And then there'll be spiritual healing. So if you've sinned against someone, go to them immediately, confess your wrong, and ask them to forgive you. So that's one of the ways to be healed. Now let me come back. Is that all right? That's good preaching, isn't it? That helps you, doesn't it? Okay, deal with it. Somebody's done something. If somebody, if you've done somebody wrong, go to them, say I'm sorry. You, you know there's some people can't say I'm sorry. And they would rather let the thing linger or even lose a relationship. The problem is God doesn't approve of that. You have to humble yourself sometimes and go to people and say, I know it's hard. I was wrong. And don't be shocked if they look at you and say, I'm sorry, I was, I, I was listening. Say, Could you say that again? And then if they do it the third time, you might want to look at them and say, don't push it. So confess your faults one. But now let's come back to intercession, and, and I'm going I'm to hopefully help you with some things here. <clears throat> the other thing James says is pray for one another. So when I'm sick, <clears throat> I pray for myself, and I trust God for my healing. But it's good for me, James said, to get somebody else to pray for me. And James actually, actually recommends some people, the elders. And that's why he wrote in James 5, 14 and 15, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And there are, there are times when you need to come to church or if you want to, we'll go, we'll go to people's houses. The pastors, we have elders, that pastors are elders by default. And then we have elders in our church, laymen who are elders, quite a few elders. They all have a, a small vial of oil. We believe and we do what the Bible says. We'll put a little dab of oil on you, which symbolizes the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. Guess what? People get healed because God keeps his word. And so sometimes you need somebody else to join with you in prayer when you're sick. Don't be afraid to call for help. People will call the office sometimes and say, will you put me on the prayer chain? you got a prayer chain, a prayer team. Absolutely, we, we activate, we get lots of people praying. They may not even know who you are, but they start calling your name out in prayer that God will heal you. And I found a great example of this concept in the Bible, in the Gospels. It's one of my favorite stories. I think I preached on it not too long ago, I think. There are four men who carried a paralytic to Jesus. Do you all know that story? And when they got there, there was a big crowd, and the crowd were, were mean, and they wouldn't let... The men carry him in to get to Jesus, and so they went around, and the, and the roofs in Israel are flat roofs, and they usually have stairs. That's like a second level, and so there are stairs that you can go up into the roof. And so they carried the man up the stairs and went on the roof and then, um, then tore off the roof, started digging through whatever it was there. I don't know if they were tiles or if it was probably more of adobe, but they were digging through and made a hole big enough and let the man down with ropes and said, if y'all ain't going to make a way, we'll make a way where there is no way. And they made a way. And now this is the cool part of the story, and, and 
the first thing Jesus does is he forgives the man and saves him. Then the second thing he does is he heals them. But there is something in this verse that is so powerful, and a lot of people have missed it through the years, and I love to point it out. The Bible says that when Jesus saw not his faith, it says, read it. It's in your Bible. Then when, when Jesus saw their faith, isn't that great? There was collective faith. And with the collective faith, the man got healed. He said, he forgave him of his sins, and he said, take up your bed and walk. And whatever was wrong with the man got healed. The man had strength, and he stood up for the first time. He's walking. They led him through the roof. He walked out the door by the power of God. So here's what I see in that that fits with this intercessory prayer concept. If I'm sick, I'm believing for my miracle. I'm believing for my healing. Listen, little play in words. Sometimes I need others to believe with me to carry me before the throne of God in prayer. I need somebody to carry me. And I'm trusting that God will not only see my faith, but he'll see our faith. So my challenge to you today is learn how to be an intercessor. Don't, don't just pray for yourself and your family Learn, learn to pray for others outside of your circle. That, if I could get you to do anything today, that's my challenge is, is say, okay, you know, I'm pastor, I'm, I'll spend a little time talking, praying to Jesus, talking to Jesus. I probably need to work on that a little bit more and just kind of open up and be intimate with him. But that I do pray a lot for the stuff I need. And to be honest, unless it's my family member, you know, it's maybe I don't do a whole lot of that. I'm, I'm trying to teach you today to expand, pull up the tent pegs of your prayer life and make the tent bigger and say, okay, in my prayer time, it might take me another, it might, it might be five more minutes in my prayer life, but I'm going to spend time praying for other people. I'm going I'm to think of other people and pray. So who do I need to pray for? And this might be a list. This might be one of those things you want to write down, okay? So if you, you know, if you've got that great of a memory, wonderful um, because the list is not on the screen, but I'm just going to give it to you, okay? Who, who do I need to pray for? Pray for the person who's going through a trial, okay? That's why a lot of you have said to me and my wife and our family, we're praying for you. And that, that one just seems sort of automatic, but let's add more. Pray for the one who is going astray. You know anybody that's serving the Lord, but they're going in the wrong direction? You need to pray for them. We fuss about them, but we need to pray for them. There's a man that I've been deeply concerned about in this church, and I've been praying for him because he seems to be going in the wrong direction. I've been crying out to the Lord and calling his name, interceding for him. Y'all with me? Who else do we pray for? Pray for the one who has a spiritual need. All right, say somebody needs to be sanctified. They need, they need, they got some areas of their life. They need to get the victory. They need deliverance. They want the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Pray for them and say, God, will you do this for them? Okay. Obviously, pray for the one with a physical need. That's the obvious one, too, isn't it? Somebody's sick, pray for them. Somebody's got hurt, pray for them. Pray, pray for the person who needs to be saved. Are you praying for people that you know that are unsaved to be saved? Call their name out. Yeah, but Pastor, I've been praying for them for 20 years. Good, go for 21. You keep praying until. What if you quit? Pray for the person who is backslidden. Those hurt. They used to serve the Lord. Then they've gone back into sin. They're stubborn. 
You've talked to your blue in the face, and they will not come back around. Well, then you're just going to have to talk to your blue in the face to Jesus and just keep praying. You know how I pray for people that backslide? God, they're out there doing this, doing that. Lord, I pray you'll make them miserable. I pray they're miserable. I pray when they drink, they get sick and throw up everywhere, and they can't drink another drop. I pray the drugs, they can't do the drugs anymore. I pray whoever, I pray God, whoever they've been running around, that woman they've been running around, I pray you'll save her and then she'll dump them. Man will give up his wife to go have an affair. I pray, Lord, just get that woman saved and then he's going to lose his wife and that woman and have nothing. Put him down to the bottom where he has nothing and he looks up and says, I've messed up my life, I need you. Flat on his back saying, I have messed up. Got to pray. Say, Pastor, those are mean prayers. I'm talking about their eternal destiny. I think it might warrant it. It's not mean, it's love. Pray for, oh, here's the one I don't like, but I have to preach it. Do I have to preach this? Oh, y'all. You have to pray for the person who's mistreated you. I don't like that one. I don't like that one at all. Now, y'all may have your act together. I'm 56. I've been serving the Lord for 51 years because I got saved when I'm five, but I'm going to be honest with y'all. Okay, you got an honest preacher. I still struggle with this one because when you do me wrong, I feel an obligation to straighten you out. And, and anybody else feel that way? I don't know why. I didn't do anything to this man. Some guy in his little car with Florida tags. Florida, what's wrong with that? He had no business being in Anderson anyway. The man was lost. I was two cars behind him trying to get to my mom and dad's house in a hurry. I'm never in a hurry. And that car in front of him turned, and so I just went in and pulled up naturally like I would behind this car. But I didn't think I was too close, but he did. So to make his point, he just slowed down to about 10 miles an hour on Clemson Boulevard. I can't get around him. I'm like, you know, just sort of did the, well, he threw his hand up too, but he wasn't. And I went around him finally. I just wanted to get around this foreigner from Florida. Because he's from Florida. And he's waving at me with one digit. And he's honking his horn. And I get around in front of him and he's flashing his high beams at me. I'm like, if this guy had missiles, I'd be dead. I didn't feel like praying for him. I didn't. Probably should have. Is anybody live in my does anybody live in my world or am I the only one like this? Y'all live in my world. Except for six holy people that aren't gonna raise y'all gonna raise your hand if Jesus asked you to raise your hand, are you? I told y'all last Sunday. I'm fishing, I'm wearing them out, having the time. Nobody's out there. One guy in his red tracker boat. Anybody here have a red tracker boat? 
got jealous because I was catching all, my, all that water out there. He just keeps easing over my way. I thought, what is he doing? Go away. He took his boat, went right between me and the end of the, I'm on the end of the point, right between me and the point, starts fishing. I felt an obligation to assist him in proper boat etiquette. But I, I bit my tongue, and I just kept my mouth shut. And I did pray, Lord, let me catch a six-pounder right in front of his boat. That's what I wanted to do. Now, see, y'all are spiritual, more spiritual than I am. Y'all could do better with a preacher. I'm sorry. Y'all could do better, but I'm working on me. The Lord's working on me. I don't, I don't feel, uh, oh, Lord, just right, put my rod. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for that man. God, he must not know boat etiquette. Touch him, Lord. Let him catch 12 fish right now. I'll clap. I did not feel like doing that at all. And yet, doesn't the Lord say, pray for him? Pray for those that despitefully use you. That's what Jesus said in the the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just telling you, we all have room to grow, don't we? Don't we all have areas we need to work on? Let's work on being intercessors. Have you ever heard someone say, please keep me in your prayers? Please keep me in your prayers. You know what that is? That's a cry for intercession. Think about that. That's a cry for your, they're trusting you to intercede. You ever think about that? You just, oh, it's just a passing. Yeah, just, okay. Don't do that. Look at him and say, next time it might be me. I will keep you in my prayers. I promise. And then the next time you pray, pray for them. Cry that, call their name out. There is a biblical concept of standing in the gap for someone. We already saw that Moses did this for the children of Israel time. And again, I mentioned it a couple. couple but what does that mean to stand in the gap? You stand in the gap for someone when you keep them before God in prayer. And this can be difficult because you're praying and nothing is changing. You're praying and things are getting worse instead of better. You're praying for someone and they're stubborn. But you keep on praying and you keep on believing and you won't give in and you won't give up. I mean, let me tell you, I'm going to end telling you some two stories and I'll be done. Y'all all right? The, so when I was at Praise Cathedral in Greer, South Carolina, the church from which this church was started, we, we were a satellite of that church. That church planted this church. Me as their pastor. Um, when I was there, I was there for 10 and a half years, I was talking to Steve Howard one day. Steve was one of the founding charter members of that church. Um, and we were talking one day about Praise Cathedral and all the mighty things that God had done. I, we were talking, and Steve looked at me. He said, let me tell you something you may not know. He said, my mother prayed for this church. He said, my mother prayed this church into existence. I said, really? He said, that's right. He said, my mother was going to another church. I won't name the church. But in that town, and that church had roadblocks, it had hindrances, it wouldn't, it wouldn't move where it needed to move, and my mother had the vision that God wanted a church like this 
that would reach more people and would want to grow and want to expand and touch people not only in Greer but around the world. He said, my mother prayed every day for this church. Listen, he said, my mother died and never saw it come to pass, but she prayed till the day she died. And he said, I, know, I can tell you this church is here because of the prayers of my mother. You keep praying until the breath leaves your body because sometimes the answer may not come till after you're gone. I read a story this week of, and the musicians can come, I read a story this week of a young lady, true story, she was deeply burdened for her brother because he was, he was a sinner. He was not saved. She was worried about his soul. She was worried about his life. He desperately needed Jesus. One Sunday, she went to church as she normally did, she was so distressed about her brother and the condition of his soul that she sat there and didn't feel like singing and didn't feel like getting fired up and pumped up. She, she, it was hindering her and her worship. They had a visiting preacher that day, and the preacher preached the story of Matthew 17 of the father who had the demon-possessed son, who would, the devil would throw the, fire in, the son in the fire in the water and try to kill him. And Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And so he takes them to the other nine apostles. And they've cast out other demons. And so they try to cast out this demon. It doesn't work. So the father's now distressed and desperate. And then Jesus comes off the mountain. And he, and, and he sees a crowd and they all come running. And this man comes and falls before the Lord and says, Lord, my son is suffering and he's I can't get him any help. It's the devil, and the devil's tried to start. I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. And, and would you, could you help me? As a matter of fact, he said, if you can do anything, would you help me? And when you read the story of Matthew 17, this is what Jesus said, and this is what the preacher preached. He said, bring him here to me. Bring him here to me. And that's what the preacher emphasized that morning in that sermon. Just bring him here to me. Get him to me. The Lord used that like that to talk to that young lady about her brother like a streak of lightning. She sat up and she said, that's it. That's what I need to do. I'm going to bring my brother to Jesus through prayer every day. I'm going to get my brother, the brother to the Savior. I'm going to pray him there. And she left that church fired up, and every day she started praying passionately for because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. And she started praying with fire and passion, God save my brother, God save my brother. Keep God, don't, don't give up on save my brother. And you know what happened? In a short time thereafter, her brother got under conviction, and I don't know where it was or what happened, but at some point in time, he bowed his head and said, God, I can't keep doing this anymore. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. I give my life to you. And God saved her brother. Who do you need to stand in the gap for? Stand with me this morning. I guarantee you that all over this church, Perhaps 
every one of us, we know somebody who needs prayer. Husband, wife, kids, mom, dad, family member, friends, best friend, co-workers, neighbor. We know somebody. You know how I, I challenge you to, to expand your prayer life? I started doing this several years ago. When I pray, I pray the Lord's Prayer. When I pray thy kingdom come, there are several things I pray, and it's very much intercession. But one of the things I do is I pray for the lost. I pray God snatch people out of the kingdom of hell and darkness and bring them into the kingdom of God. So then I begin to pray for the lost. And here's what I started doing. I, I pray for, you know, people that I know that aren't saved. I pray for people in Anderson because this is our, this is our but, but this is how I pray. I pray, God, I say, pray, save people in the upstate. God, reap the harvest in the state of South Carolina. God, I pray the American harvest would be reaped. All over America, this country's in a mess, and people are wicked and evil, and I pray that, God, the gospel will go forth because you can still reach them. And then I'll pray, God, may the global harvest be reaped. God, in Asia and Africa, in Europe, Europe is postmodern, post-Christian. They, they don't even know. They've turned their cathedrals into museums and pubs. But I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you'll bring a revival, bring the gospel, and I start interceding for people that I don't even know. God listen to you. Well, God listen to me. I just I live in Anderson, Honeypath, Townville, Williamston, Pelzer, West Pelzer. Gotta make sure I get that right. <laughs> Belton. You know, I I'm just well, God, yes, that's why I'm preaching this. What I think now may be an incredibly powerful sermon. That's why I'm preaching it. Yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're located geographically. All it matters is where he's at. And he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Doesn't matter who you are and where. It matters who he is and where he can go and what he can do. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Do you know somebody that needs prayer? Do you know somebody you need to pray for? Then that's how we're going to conclude this service. Right now, I want you to start interceding. Throw your hands up. You can stand. You can kneel. Whatever you want to do. But I want you to start praying and interceding. That we're going to close this, this sermon and this message and this service with an intercessory prayer time. I'm going to put this mic down and they're going to sing. And you just pray a while. Take your time and pray. Pray for something. Pray for the lost. Pray for somebody that's sick. Pray for whatever. But intercede and have faith. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.